welcome back to Technically F1. I am Urshab, and here with me today in this or in our podcast recording studio is Jack. Hello, and today we've got a rather interesting podcast where we can talk about some Azerbaijan Grand Prix moments and the 2022 regulations, and of course, whatever else we talk about. But um, anyways, Urshab, before we start all this, uh, I think it's time to plug the YouTube channel. Yeah, um... Uh, maybe we should like have like an intro or something like an actual intro thing yeah yeah maybe we get like an intro music that could be good or like uh like you know how some channels have like a trailer not trailer um yeah 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 like they they mention what's coming up in the podcast or like, like they... almost like a theme thing like episode. yeah yeah all right that could be what we do next podcast we can work on that yeah okay all right um, and before I even, here, I'll interrupt myself again, before we get into that, um, what did you think about the heat wave that's hitting us? Is it even a hit, heat wave? What do you think? To be fair, it's only a heat wave here. Yeah. If this was in like, I don't know, like Utah Florida. or something. Yeah, Utah. It would be like, it would be like winter weather. Right, exactly. They pretty much consider this winter anyways. Um. It's like 84 degrees. I know. It feels hot though. Yeah. Although, I guess we just have to say thanks, global warming. It's all we have to do, really. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Anyways, plug the YouTube channel time. Uh, we've got a new series on the YouTube channel, Rashad. Oh, what is it? So it's this week in F1. So it, it, we're just copying every single YouTuber. <laughs> in a week that there isn't a race, I'm going to be doing this week in F1. Mm. Because I'm not going to say I've run out of ideas, but it's... Making an entire documentary on, like, a car or a, um, a race is not as easy as some would think. <laughs> Anyways, uh, shall we get into the regulations then? Uh, yeah, that works. So I was doing my random perusing of the regulations where I read every single line of the next set of technical regulations. Don't worry, I didn't do this. Uh, but I noticed that the cars next year are going to weigh, or just take a guess at how much they're going to weigh. Less? Uh, no, more, more. Oh, wow. Okay. You ready? It's not okay. No, it's not okay. Um, so here, I'll give you some context. In 2009, the cars weighed 605 kilograms. In 2010, they weighed 615 kilograms because they had to, uh, because refueling was banned. They had to put more weight in for fuel and they lengthened the cars and that sort of thing. And guess how much they weigh next year? Um... One minute. Page 41. All right. You're just looking this up? Yes, I say. (laughs) I'm in the the PDF. Yes. 158-page PDF. Yeah, there's so many things, like, stopping the designers. 175 kg. Yeah, essentially 800 kilograms next year. But if we, even if we call it 775 kilograms, uh, for right now, guess how much they're gonna weigh after fueling and driver? Probably at least over eight hundred. They're gonna weigh nine hundred and fifty kilograms, almost a thousand kilograms, almost a ton. It's the heaviest that they've been ever. Wow. And the interesting thing about all that, and the thing that I'm starting to worry about, is are the Pirelli tires actually gonna be able to handle that much weight? They're probably gonna design new tires, aren't they? I mean, I know they're designing them for the 18-inch rims, which are going to look weird, but... To be I fair, feel Pirelli's, like... I mean, are they really meant to hold the car up? No, no, but I think now they actually have a difficult job, because if they are supporting this much weight with that much engine torque, I feel like we could have a problem again. Mm. I mean, think of the last time they made some tires that weren't strong enough. What was it, like 2013? This and... year. Oh, yeah, yeah, good point, this year, this year. The tires um, just break, or, like, rip and all that stuff. Yeah, like, the second that someone wheel spins in these tires, they just instantly go into nope mode and destroy themselves. Didn't it's crazy. Bottas destroy, didn't Bottas' tires, like, like burn off almost, or, like, come yeah, off? He, he boiled the rubber off them, it's crazy. I mean, that is, I guess, the one issue with these cars. They've got so much power and arrow, but because they weigh so much, they just ruin the tires instantly. Well, yeah, I mean, it provides, like, friction or something like that. Yeah. Well, the friction is insane with these cars. I mean, I guess that's why they're so glued to the racetrack. The weight and the downforce. 
I guess my main question is going to be like, what happens if somebody spins? Is their race strategy just over next year? Because I mean, you pretty much instantly have to pit because you've definitely flat spotted the tires and maybe you've ruined them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's probably just me thinking about this, but um, I mean, anyway, Pirelli does everything though. They also make boats. They make boats now. I mean, there's a Pirelli boats. That's crazy. I mean, they really are doing everything if they've gone to boats. My God. I'm not going to say they've run out of ideas, but here, let me look up Pearly Boat. I bet it's like a jet boat or something. They they look pretty good. Okay, let's see. Google, what do you have to tell me? Oh, wow. Other than the fact that it has the word Pirelli stamped on the side of it, it actually looks pretty cool. I mean, actually, I'm not that... I mean, it, it kind of would be nice to like, watch the Monaco Grand Prix from that. Yeah, absolutely. Although, what if you had, like, a Monaco Grand Prix with Pirelli boats? That'd be interesting. Oh, my God. Why does it look a little bit like a military boat in black? Well, I think it's because military boats are generally colors like that, like the black. And we're just sort of used to seeing it like that. Although, I like the red and the gray. Or the orange and the gray, excuse me. I like that it has a cabin. Oh, wait, that's what that is? I think there's a cabin in there. There's, like, oh. windows, I think. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. They're bigger than they look. You need to, like, look at them in perspective with a human inside of them. And that makes you realize exactly how big some of them are. Um, the Pirelli 1900. Okay. I was looking at the 1100. That's smaller. But, uh, the 1900 yeah. is beautiful. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Especially, like, uh, the interior, I believe. Yeah. Like, there's an interior for starters. That's always nice. Absolutely. You could, like, live on that boat. Pretty much, yeah. You could live on that boat. Well, I don't know. Maybe. It has a kitchen, a bedroom. I think it probably has a bathroom somewhere in there. Yeah. It's like equivalent to living in an RV. Pretty except, much, yeah. Except it's for like rich people. Yeah, rich man's RV. Wow. My? Uh, yeah, go ahead. What were we saying? I didn't say anything. Okay. So I'm just looking at modern versus old F1 car sizes. Is it just me, or modern F1 cars huge? I'm looking at it next to the F2004. They are huge. I was looking at it next to, like, the F2004. They're massive. Whoa. I mean, the 50s and 60s cars, you could see the people coming out over the top. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at this. I think it's, like, Fangio coming out the top of that one. Yeah. I love it. Manuel, Fangio. Yeah, that guy. Uh, I is love that... he 16 in the Ferrari? Is he 16 years old in the Ferrari? I don't think no, so. No, he's not 16 like... years old, but like 16, number 16. I don't know. Uh, here it looks like it's 18. Uh, when he was driving the Mercedes, I think he must have been 18. Not 18 years old, because he was 50 when he won his last championship. 50? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that guy raced till he was old. I mean, he's racing way beyond Kimmy. Kimmy's going to retire before him. Unless Kimmy wants the record for being the oldest driver in F1. When would that happen? Uh, I don't know, because I think he just turned 40 in 2018. So, and his 40th birthday party was reportedly insane, as you can imagine. He is Kimmy. Yeah. Well, he parties more than people think he does. The W196? Is that the car you were looking at? Yeah, the Mercedes W196. Yeah, that's a beautiful car. Absolutely. It reminds me of, like, a 550. Yeah, definitely. You know what I love? F1's just posted on their website that modern F1 cars are more difficult to drive than older F1 cars. Now, I don't know your opinion on this, but I personally think they've completely missed the mark there. Because think about, I don't know, like a turbo F1 car from the 80s. I mean, that's just 1,600 horsepower strapped to a rear and front wing. That's not easy to drive. 
I mean, it is not easy to drive, but nowadays there's like all these safety things, like a halo. Right, exactly. It's just blocking your vision. <laughs> like, if you see that's the halo. a halos. good point. It's a good point. Without those, the 2017 F1 cars, you could see better than the 2018 ones. Oh, the Lotus 49. That looks like a really cool car. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's on my F1 calendar. That literally looks like a Monza SP1. Let's see here. Lotus 49. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the one with the Gold Leaf sponsorship. That's a beautiful car. Yeah, and it doesn't have so much writing on the car that's... I mean, yeah. yeah, it's the nice thing about old F1 cars. They don't have all the writing on it. They're not 200-mile-per-hour billboards. They're 150-mile-per-hour billboards. They're not really billboards of any Well, sort. Well, no, actually, no, that one isn't a billboard at all. That's not the black and gold one, which has the John Player special on it. The green and gold is the good one. That's beautiful. I mean, that's like, I think it was a Bentley race car that I saw that had something like that on it. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Uh, have you seen the DBR4? Uh, I think it's an F1 car, right? Last in... Yep. DBR4. Oh, wow. That's very pretty. Although, I bet it didn't do very well. Because Aston only scored, like, a couple points when they were in F1. That looks like a child could drive it, though. Yeah, look how small it is. My goodness. For those who are um, listening to this podcast, why don't you look up Aston Martin DBR4? Because it is very small. That also, by the way, to the like, 10 people that listened to last week's podcast, you are you. crazy. Th- a, thank you for listening. But B, you are crazy. Uh, you literally listen to us ramble about designing a military. <laughs> uh, speaking about that, you can buy cheap fighter jets used. I know. It's great. Like a fallen gnat. Oh, really? Uh, fallen gnats are pretty cool looking. Indeed, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah, back to... Um, I think we're talking about how fat F1 cars have become. And how weird the people who listened to last week's podcast were. Ah, yes, yes, they are very weird. Anyways, um, the 2014 F1 cars, from now till 2014, cars have gotten 100 kilograms. More, wait. Just look that up, that's crazy. I think we need to make F1 cars lighter again. Because at this point, I think some of this weight isn't necessary for safety. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think it's all necessary. There's a section about the mass of the driver. I know, I know. It's now, I think, a maximum or a minimum of 80 kilograms, right? Uh, May this be less than 80? They use, like, contract speak almost. Yeah, pretty much. It's hard to tell. It's unbelievably difficult when reading these regulations. Like, I tried to design an F1 car to the regulations, but I gave up within, like, 20 minutes because I literally couldn't read anything. There's also 160 pages. Yeah, there's that. I mean, it's like reading a short novel. But I'm so glad that I have a table of contents. I agree, yeah. This is really funny, though. Okay. Just how massive this book is yeah they're not letting leaving anything up for interpretation like they want no loopholes in these regulations i bet you have like a paper copy of this no i don't not yet at least (laughs) well who knows i could be interested in getting one we shall see but anyways um azerbaijan grand prix what was your favorite race there because that's going to be this weekend um, I like the way it looks like a pan, almost. It does look a bit like a pan, yeah. Um, which means that it has some really cool, like, turns. Yeah, it does. My favorite turn is probably gonna be, like, uh, I think maybe, like, 9, 10, 11, that kind of area. Yeah, I'm looking at the track map right now. That, I think that's the castle section, right? Yeah, I think so. Or it's seven. Seven's also quite cool. Seven's a very cool turn. My, one of my favorites is, um, or one of my favorite features of it is the really long straight. Because it is, like, pointlessly long. But you can get some interesting overtakes there. Because the DRS isn't at the beginning of it. 
Mm-hmm. So you could have a car that's slower without DRS get overtaken, but it gets in DRS range and then re-overtakes because it has DRS. The DRS thing, though, like, the problem with the DRS is yeah. that you just turn in, like, two corners, one and two, and then you're in another DRS zone. Yeah, that is the issue, though, because, although actually it does promote wheel-to-wheel battles, because if you do stay within the one second after getting overtaken on the straight, you then get it back and you can fight back again onto that corner. And that's what Perez did, and that's how he was able to overtake Vettel in a Force India. Mm, I think it's kind of funny that they put posters, F1 posters, on the side of a castle. Yeah, it is pretty weird, because it, it is an actual functioning castle, as it turns out. A functioning castle? Well, I think most func- uh, castles are non-functional these days, but this one actually yeah. is used once in a while. For what? Uh, I assume ceremonies. I don't think it's actually anything important. I think some would argue that that is important. Well, no, no, no. Not like not like a... Well, it, probably more like a... a cere- oh, not, I'm just... I've dug myself yeah. into a hole here. I, I'm just going to stop talking. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, castle section is cool. I think Mercedes isn't going to do well here. Even if they have an advantage, historically, they have not been able... To get the tires working here, mm, if I remember I correctly, Ferrari might do well because in previous years they did do well, right? I think so. Mm. Ah, I'm going to actually no, they always did poorly because of bad or not reliability, but bad luck. Kimi got punted by Bottas, and then Vettel got overtaken by Force India man. Yeah, they don't do well here ever. Force India, man. Yeah, yeah. Paris. That's okay. Very interesting. Look, he was with Force India for his entire career. I can call him Force India, man, once in a while, I think. Wasn't he, didn't he, like, I don't know, didn't he start out at Red Bull or something? He started out with Sauber, then he went to McLaren for one year, but for the rest of his career, up until now, he was at Force India, so it was, like, seven years. Does is it just me, or does everybody just, like, um, end up some, at some point at Red Bull? It does feel like that, doesn't it? Like, all of the young drivers now have all pretty much ended up at Red Bull at some point, except for uh, Lando. George Russell, Lando, and LeGreg. LeGreg. LeClaire? LeClaire. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, why, the, why do you keep calling him that? Because it's funny. Why? Because funny sim racer Jimmy Broadbent says it, so I have to say it. You know, he won the um the Coca-Cola six hundred. I sat with <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? It's a um it's like the American version of a like it's a NASCAR race, okay? It's a virtual NASCAR race. I sat down for an hour and literally watched a man drive in circles. Okay. I mean you did this voluntarily? Yes, voluntarily. Wow. Let's just not talk about it. I made a severe, questionable life situation. Let's just let's not. I mean, Azerbaijan, okay. Mercedes did pretty well in 2019. But that was more luck, I think, because... Bottas won. Bottas won, yes. But unless I'm very much mistaken, Ferrari... Oh, yeah, Leclerc got... Because Leclerc was their chance, and then he hit the wall in qualifying. That's where the famous... Fifth. Right. Because he had to recover from qualifying. That's where the famous I am stupid quote came from. Mm, yes, he had to I remember walk. that. That is notable. That is notable. For those who forgot, Leclerc yelled at himself, I am stupid, when he hit the wall in the castle section. Didn't he also uh, yell that when he, when he got fifth place? Or whatever, the, the, the team deserved better or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the Turkish Grand Prix. Oh, yeah, that was... He was enraged at himself. It's crazy. And then there's he... uh, Vettel in three... Yeah, yeah, Vettel got third that year. That's crazy. I mean, hearing the words Sebastian Vettel in third place is just something you don't put together these days. And speaking of Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel, really smooth segue. Uh, you know what? They're trying to do a, um, for Pride Month, they're doing this initiative where they are, um, I think they're like helping LGBT members of their staff and things. And just all sorts of nice Pride Month things. But... What they're not doing is they're not boycotting the race in Singapore, which, 
I've learned today, it is illegal to be gay in Singapore. Mm. So it seems slightly problematic um, for that. Although, luckily, the whole Pride Month initiative is not at, we're not racing in Singapore during then. So we're fine with that. I'm guessing race, we race as one or whatever. It's not going to be on their cars then. No, I tend to doubt it. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you can't exactly do that. Singapore is a rather forward-thinking uh, area. I, it is a country, isn't it? Yeah, it is a country. It's a forward-thinking country, except for its gender roles. Like, I mean, Singapore is super, like, I mean, if you look at it, it almost, it looks, like, really modern, almost. It is pretty modern, because it became wealthy at a time where, or it became wealthy close enough to our time that we're living in now that all the big buildings are modern. Yeah, it almost looks just like a huge city. I mean, I think it that pretty much is what it is. Yeah, except it's for the wealthy one city, suburbs. pretty much. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Anyways, more moments from the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. It's an interesting one. Qualifying, who do you think is going to come out on top? I've got my theory, but I want you to go first. Hamilton. Hamilton. It's just, it's just the safe answer. And it's Lewis Hamilton qualifies on pole position. <laughs> yeah, it definitely could be. hundred Over 100 pole positions. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Although, he biffed it at Monaco because he didn't get the pole there. Although, he was on for a stinker of a lap, that one that he... um. He had to abort at the end of it. Mm. So I think my bold claims, I think that Signs is going to be on pole. Right? Do you want to know why I think that? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so I think the Ferraris are going to be competitive. Remember, this could be completely wrong and my prediction will be completely incorrect. But Probably. I think the Ferraris will be competitive. And with that, because Leclerc's confidence is going to be a bit shattered because he's gone into the wall at Monaco, um, I think that that will leave the door open for Sainz to steal the pole. But I think, if I'm completely honest, at this point, Leclerc has more a chance of getting pulled. But if my theory turns out to be correct, you know, great. Uh, the other possibility is that Red Bull completely dominates the weekend because they're good in all high downforce corners, which there are a few of in Azerbaijan. Although... Mm. You know, the interesting thing is, it turns out the Honda engine isn't as powerful as we thought it was. You know why? Why? So this whole flexi-wing thing, this whole controversy, was actually to help them get straight-line speed. It was nothing to do with cornering downforce. So their straight-line speed's been aided by this. Although, the funny thing about the straight-line speed, flexi-wing thing, is that it's completely legal what they're doing. Like, there's nothing illegal about it. As long as they can pass the tests that the FIA sets out, they can be as legal as they want in the race, as long as it's fine during the tests. It doesn't say that it needs to be the same throughout the race and the tests. They've literally said everything in this. In the regulations? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're not leaving anything to chance. Not anymore after Ferrari and... All that stuff. Yeah, and after uh, 2010, where Red Bull found all the loopholes. Yeah, well, it's okay when Red Bull does it. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's their whole platform, finding loopholes. Well, I think uh, none of us really mind it when they find loop- loopholes. But the thing is, I don't think the FIA want to be embarrassed if, you know... Well, no one I'm really gonna... wants to be it, it would. Be, it would be an embarrassment if we go into this and Red Bull comes out next year with a car that's got like a quadruple diffuser and a rocket booster for an engine. And they're like, that's actually, it's completely legal, right? Cause it's not just going to be everyone else who's pissed off. It's going to be like the FIA as well. It's not just the teams. Mm, I'm just going to look at the powertrain part and see what they've written there. I'm actually looking at prescribed laminates right now, things that you're allowed to use to bind parts of the car on. That's, that's in there? Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. Why? Why not? Uh, they're actually defining engine oil as well. Well, that makes sense, does it not? If yeah, absolutely. Well, they've had, to, they've had to add a lot of um, things in here, uh, apparently like 10 pages because of what Ferrari's 
done with their engine cheating. Because previously, the definitions of these things like engine oil essentially were so loose that they could pretty much put this quote-unquote engine oil in as gas in supplementary fuel tanks and just pump it straight in, like BAR did in 2005. Mm. So they've had to add lots of regulations clarifying what you can't do now. And the interesting thing is every single one that they add shows you what Ferrari did illegally. Although I really don't have the time to be going over every single one of the regulations, hoping to find something different. You probably will this summer. I may do something like that. We'll see. Um, the internal combustion engine and turbocharger. You know, that engine is like, I think it's like 30 kilograms more than the last one, the V8s. It's crazy. That turbo is heavy. Does it? Does it ever state what, like, what engine size it has to be? Uh, yeah, 1.6 liters. That's tiny. Yeah, I know, it's crazy small. You know, I'd be interested if they did a 1 liter V6 without the turbo. Because then it would weigh a lot less. Or, or, or. What if they did that with, without the full hybrid system? They could do with the turbo, but without the hybrid. I think they just need to make the engine lighter. I think if they just made the car smaller, they could just they could just go like down to a four cylinder turbo. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if they went back down to what six hundred kilograms ish, because they used to be able to do that, no problem. And I mean, the fact is, the cars have to run ballast nowadays because. Of the fact that they can't get it down to that weight limit. Or get it uh, up to the weight limit. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if they got it down to 600 kilograms, do you think that would be enough to make it a four-cylinder? Would it be a turbo four-cylinder with hybrid or no? Um, I mean, hybrid. Is it plug-in hybrid or what? No, no, it'd be the hybrid that they're using right now. Okay, then maybe. Yep. Uh, but uh, instead, you could just use a Mercedes AMG turbo four cylinders or whatever, turbo two liter in line yeah. four. Yeah. Uh, which makes 416 horsepower. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I think it's time to ditch the hybrid part of the engine. And I know it's all about being relevant to road cars, but I think we should either go fully electric and submit to the criticisms or stay gloriously gasoline and I mean if it became electric it'd just end because well no one needs another electric sport there's already the FE yeah and the extreme e-racing is very boring as it turns out and well I mean would it be like FE at that point with well no no as long as the cars weren't standardized then it wouldn't be like Formula E Although, a standardized car is a bit more interesting for drivers. Yeah, but I, I think I've spoke my views on a standardized car on the podcast, which is I'd be fine with it as long as you had the best designers in F1 every single year changing the look of the car. Because if it looked different every year, but the car, everybody still races the same car, I think it'd be fine. Because then at least you get some interesting interpretations of, or not interpretations, but like interesting differences year to year, but you'd still have consistent racing. But then what that means is that puts a ton of pressure. Are we doing individualized power units? I mean, power units. What do you mean by power units? Engines. Like a battery or, oh. I mean like engines. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, engines. The thing with individualized is, um, well, it's basically the whole car. I mean, the only other thing is, the only other really big thing is the aerodynamics and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, they do actually put nowadays the same amount of money into engines as they do aerodynamics, which is crazy to think about. About $300 million each. Each? I thought each. it was $300 million total. Well, no, now we're back down to a budget cap, which means that it has to be like $135 million. But in the good old days, you know, the early 2000s, Ferrari and McLaren were spending $600 million a year on F1. That's not including any of their salaries that they paid. Mm. So, like, plus $40 million a year for Schumacher, plus bonuses for him, plus Barrichello's salary. I mean, it's crazy to think about the money they spent then. 
Wow. But then again, the prize money then was so unbelievably biased towards the top three teams that they could be getting close to a billion dollars a year in prize money and TV revenue. How much is prize money now? Prize money now is equally poorly distributed, but it's a lot closer to one or two hundred million per team. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Whereas then you could get close to a billion dollars if you played your cards right. Even for winning or winners? Uh, winners, no. No, Ferrari ended last year before they changed up who got the money and who got what with, I believe, like $400 million. But this year it's going to be less. Although, again, they still have the Ferrari clause in the entire thing, which says Ferrari gets more money than everyone else because they're a historic team. Well, they are a historic team. Yeah, but I don't think that means they need more money than everyone else. Because it's not like they're going to leave Formula One. They might. They're not doing so well. I mean, it would be I a know. logical move. Yeah, but if they move to something like Indy, who's to say they'll be any good there? Why would they move to Indy? Well, where else would they move? I guess NASCAR. NASCAR. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ferrari-powered NASCAR. I mean, why not? Actually, Ferrari it sounds has good so good. Imagine what that would sound like. That'd be insane. Because, I mean, most NASCAR cars lack aerodynamics. There's literally no aero in NASCAR. There's none. So if you had, like, a 458 NASCAR, that'd be really cool. Let's look at a NASCAR rule book, if there is one. I bet it's, like, a three-page regulation that says, like, no bringing skunks to the track. Like, it's something backwards. Get ready for it. Let's see here. It's probably going to be, like, only V8s. Anything else is communism. Exactly. You have Let's... a detent, you're kicked out permanently. Pretty much. Uh, I want to go NASCAR. NASCAR regulations. Does it not have anything about... Does NASCAR not have a... Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, minimal updates to 2020 rules. I'm trying to find here... The um the actual car regulations that I'm not finding. Anything. Yeah, this is so weird. I'm finding like everything else except for the car regulations. I wonder if they keep that secret, but that'd be so weird. Why would they do that? I'm looking at some of these races here. There's some of these really weird names. Like there's the Bank of America Roval 400, the Food City Dirt Race, the in this NASCAR Xfinity Series, the Camping World Truck Series. What? What is the World Truck Series? Oh my god, it's literally just NASCARs but trucks. That is so weird looking. I can't seem to find any regulations. So what it actually means is you can bring whatever you want. As long as you bring it. With a V8. And yeah. it looks like a NASCAR. Yes. Actually, does it really? Is there any regulations about that? So what's the... I think it's like a Gen 6 NASCAR, right? Or is it Gen 7 now? I don't watch NASCAR. I want to see whether it's... No, no, it's Gen 7 here. I think that's the new one. Because they just released a new one. Mm-hmm. Wait, have they not released it? Oh. It just looks weird. But aren't there any regulations? Can I mean, in the audience tell us? Yeah. They know. Listeners of Technically F1, do you know if there are any regulations for NASCAR that you need to know about? And if so, can you email us, like, the rule book or something? I mean, obviously, we're inquiring for a friend, Mattia Bonotto. But, um, (laughs) in all seriousness, like, are there any regulations? So, you know, the interesting thing, Honda says they want to enter NASCAR, but they don't feel comfortable making hybrid engines for F1 cars. How is that a thing? BMW wants to join NASCAR. What is this? Actually. Actually. There's this cursed image of like an M4 with a Grillmeister 69 with the, um, on a NASCAR. I mean, Toyota already does it, so why not? Wait, Toyota's in NASCAR? Camry. All right. Wait, I think they've got the M&M's car, right? I don't know. They have a FedEx car, I think, too. Oh, yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah, they've got a FedEx car and a RE car. It literally just says R-E-E-E-E. I'm not lying. It literally just says RE on it. Mm. NASCAR fans hate Toyota. What did they ever do? I'm just reading the headlines for Toyota NASCARs. 
What the heck? Toyota is just un-American. Oh, it says Toyota Racing is dominating NASCAR Cup Series. I see. Toyota ruins a lot of motorsports, just like Porsche does. Although, yeah. then again, if you're a Toyota or a Porsche fan, you love it because they're just dominating. Yeah, but, I mean, it's Toyota. How can you be a fan? Yeah. I mean, I can understand if you're, like, a fan of Honda or something. Yep. I mean, Honda is, like, the ultimate car brand. I know. Well, it's bad. I think Porsche is the ultimate car brand, but... Yeah, well, Honda also makes, like, planes and boat yeah, engines and... You mean they're the ultimate auto... Or not automotive, even. Uh, transportation brand. Yes, okay, yeah. Transportation brand. Okay. Or maybe Saab is. Yeah, that's a good point, because they make jets. Except they're fighter jets or something. I mean, they also make Saab. Actually, wait. They don't make any... Passenger jets. They make passenger propeller planes, don't they? Uh, we're about to find out. Passenger sob jet. No, but they do make propeller planes. The Saab 340. Wait, what the heck is Etihad Regional? What is that? I have no idea. Alright, I'm about to look this up. Uh, Saab does provide engine parts, though, for the A320 as part of the Airbus conglomerate. Okay. Um, and then, what was the one that I was looking at? Oh, yeah, uh, Etihad Regional. Have you seen the Saab fighter jets? Yeah, they're amazing looking. Oh, have you seen the um, Swedish Air Force Saab uh, 340? Uh, let's see here, Saab... 340 Swedish. Oh, it popped up for me. Great. Whoa, that's cool looking. Wait, it's got like a thing on the top of it. Yeah, what is that? Is that like an air intake or something? That'd be the most cursed air intake ever. I think it's an AWACS. A what now? Uh, It's like a radar interceptor thingy. It hmm. is on Boeing planes. Or military planes, military planes. Boeing has some nice planes. They do have some nice planes. Are you talking fighter jets or small planes? I'm... Hmm. I'm not really sure. They have some... They have some nice planes in all categories, really. Like, yeah. they have some really nice fighter jets. Actually, not really fighter jets. I like their helicopters better. Okay. Don't they make the Chinook? Yeah, they do make the Chinook. And the Apache. Yeah. And literally everything the U.S. military uses. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I have found the greatest fighter jet of them all. The Saab Vigan S-37. That is the coolest looking thing. Have you seen a Cessna Citation Mustang? I've seen the Cessna Citation, but not the Mustang. Uh, see, oh, whoa. It's like a little private jet. Yeah, Very it's small. cool. It almost looks like a Honda jet. I was about to say that it, it gives some serious Honda jet vibes. Except I'd rather have a Honda jet. Absolutely, because it's a Honda jet, and Honda jet's cool. And they have really cool colors, like the Honda jet. You can just get it in any color. I think the range is longer on the Honda jet. Yeah. Oh, and Gulfstream has a new plane as well. What is it? They're calling it the G700, and it looks like a long boy. Although it doesn't look as long as the G650 ER, let me check. Have you seen the Beluga whale? Uh, the Airbus one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that thing's massive. Didn't they make like a size like model or whatever or something? Uh, yeah, they made an XL one. Oh. Why though? Uh, because they transport bits of planes inside of it. But it's so tall. One might think it might just fall over. Oh, I think it probably has some tippy moments. Right? It must. Uh, why do they need to transport? Why can't they just build the plane wherever the parts are made? And then fly the plane wherever it's needed? Well, can I give you some history about Airbus? I hope it won't bore you. But, um, okay, so Airbus is a really weird company. Because essentially, it's just a whole bunch of European countries that don't have enough money to build their own planes working together to build planes. Right? And this was after a whole bunch of time just wittering on, like, ooh, I want to build planes, I want to build planes. They build them together. 
But the issue is nobody can actually decide where to build them. So instead, they build each of the sets of components in different areas. Sounds okay until you realize that you've got to fly it across Europe. Or truck it. Or truck it across Europe. So you've got a 50-50 chance if you live in certain areas of France to literally see bits of an A380 driving by your house. I believe we talked about that part. We did try to talk about that on another podcast, yeah. Um, But for the other parts that can't be driven through the roads, you have to drive them on this beluga thingy. Which means that essentially... How did they build the beluga? I think it's just an A330 with a big uh, top on it. How did they get the parts for the beluga to where it was needed? I think they just, like, must have bought some A330s. Although Boeing has a version of this as well. They call theirs the Dreamlifter, and it looks big as well. And that's for the um, Dreamliner. Because if you need the Boeing, or not Boeing, the Airbus Beluga to yep. move parts, how'd you build the Beluga? That's actually a really that's good a question. question. I bet it was probably... Well, I know actually that the first plane they had was a Boeing Stratocruiser, which had the same bubble top on it. But they had they bought that from Boeing. How did someone decide to build like the first like plane to transport planes? I don't know. Did they just say, "Oh, look at that! They're trucking plane parts all over the world. Why don't I go help them?" Yeah, I guess so. So actually, no, the first plane that Airbus used to transport planes was a Boeing Super Guppy. Called a what now? So it's called the Super Guppy. It's a weird looking thing. Did they get bullied? I think it must have gotten bullied in school, yeah. Mm. Okay. Oh my, it's just so bloated at the top. I mean, it can literally fit an entire Airbus inside of it. Not an entire one, but bits of it. So weird looking. Have you seen the SJ? Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. Boeing has three planes that were used to transport parts. There's the Boeing B-377, the Boeing Pregnant Guppy, and the Boeing Super Guppy. Who decided those names? (laughs) (laughs) Although I do think they're missing out on the fact that they should have just called it the Pregnant Super Guppy. That would have been even funnier. Have you seen the Cessna Citation CJ4? Is that also a jet, or is that a, um... Ah, uh, I'm gonna have to see. Um, ah, uh, it is a jet, yes. Okay. And guess the range. Uh, 3,000 miles? No, that's, that's a bit too high. Okay, uh, 1,000 miles. 2,165 miles. Okay. Medical miles. Wait, so that's like 3,000 real miles. I'm not really sure about the conversions. I'm so confused with that one. Why couldn't they just use normal miles? I don't know, and I don't actually understand why they need a conversion. Like, why does there need to be such a thing as a nautical mile in the first place? But no matter. Um, yeah, it's close to, then to 3,000 real miles, which is interesting. So that's... Couldn't that's that actually a... to Greenland? And then from Greenland to the United Kingdom... It could so from the United Kingdom to Europe. Yeah, absolutely. So you could, in theory, take that to Europe if you wanted. Now, Shrub, I do have to interrupt you and myself right now because there's a breaking news that just entered my screen. It just popped up on my Apple News. Ready for this? Okay. Okay. Um, As you know, the coronavirus has come from China. But there is a new, new case. case. yeah, of the bird flu. It's bird flu. Who gave a human in China bird flu? This is the next big <laughs> pandemic. We're going to have coronavirus, <laughs> then bird flu. It's never going to be over. We're just going to have constant pandemics coming from China. What's going on? Yeah, I saw that earlier today. But also, and- who decided to ingest a bird that was coughing? Like, that seems like <laughs> a good idea. Like, oop, this one's coughing. I'm going to cut it up and eat it for my dinner. Maybe it was, like, dead or something. Maybe so. And, and then I'm, someone decided, yeah. oh, I'm just going to sell some poor person this. Yeah, maybe so. And I'm, I'm actually looking at the operating room right now that they're operating on this guy with. One of the guys is his hand raised with a hammer in it. It looks like he's going to try to kill him. Actually? Actually. Just a just huge hammer. The hammer? Crazy. Hammer. It's massive horrible. hammer. It's crazy. No, no, not the bird, the guy. Yeah, I know. It's why it's horrible. Yeah, I know. No, no, I mean, the bird with the bird, you can, 
clonk him on the head, absolutely. Yeah, but be inside the guy, whatever. Yeah. Although, who knows, maybe to kill the bird, they have to kill the guy. Maybe the bird flu lives on forever. Alright, that's your bit of, like, topical news done. Uh, anyway, shall we talk about F1 again? Probably, I mean... Let's go to F1. Really F1 news. Here, let's see what's going on here. Um, news, because, as you know, we have to talk about news. Alright. Uh, Red Bull is bringing the flexi wing to Baku. That's good. What do you think they'd do? Leave it wherever they were last, Monaco? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was debated whether they'd bring it. But, um, you know, the interesting thing is, uh... Flexi wings, at- Ferrari's form, and a quirky Baku record. Yeah. You know, my question about all this is, how did it take a year? Like, I watched a YouTube video from Austria last year that showed their flexi wing. Like, it was literally July 20th last year, or something around that time. And I wrote about it. Uh, there was, like, a flexi wing, and I typed up something about it. I don't know if I still have it anymore, but whatever. Um, that was... How does nobody... I mean, it's been, like, a year. They've had it for such a long time. And they also have a flexi front wing, and I don't think anyone's talking about that. Could you have a 1.6-liter, like, V12? Oh, absolutely. It'd sound absolutely ear-piercing, though. It would, like, really hurt your ears. Because low-displacement, high-liter... Low-displacement, high-cylinder engines... Sound crazy. That's why, like, those 2.4 liter V8s are shrieking in F1. Like the old ones. Mm. And I think they had 3 liter V10s before that. So. All in a 1.5 liter V12. Ferrari. Whoa. Uh, Wait, Ferrari. What? Uh, That's uh, a tiny engine. What's it called? What's that called? called? I can't figure it out. I don't know. I mean, people need to think about this, like, right? That is the displacement of a bottle of Coca-Cola. Like, a big one. It's not two liters. That's actually good. It is a two liter bottle. It's less than the displacement than the entire big bottle of Coke. That's crazy. Okay. Um, Red Bull is moving Yuki Tsunoda to Italy. So they literally are taking control of his life. Like, what is going on? I mean, I know it's helmet... They're literally moving him to Italy. They're getting him out of Japan. They're smuggling him. Who? Uh, Sunoda. Isn't he in Switzerland? No, I don't think so. I think they're going full Carlos Ghosn mode on him and putting him in a music case and flying him somewhere. I in this case, to Italy. In Switzerland. Maybe. Let's see. Where does Yuki Sunoda live? Let's see. It's about to say Italy, but, um,. Nope, it literally does not tell me one. Okay. All right. Uh, in that case, other F1 news. The Daily Mail has a story for us. We shall be ready for this. Okay, fine. Go ahead. There is a mystery woman on Daniel Ricardo's super yacht that no one knows about. He has a super yacht. He does have a super yacht, or luxury yacht, excuse me. So thank you, Daily Mail, for that story, because um, that, that's going to start conversations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Except we're not going to talk about it. Uh, did you watch the Indy 500? I don't do that. Okay. All right. Helio Castroneves won it. Um, it was his fourth win. Mm-hmm. Colt. Oh, go ahead. There's a problem going down, down, going on downstairs. Nice. I will then interest the listeners with my incredible F1 news. Um, you ready for this? So David Coulthard says that people talking about tires is now boring. It's never boring. It's simply that the Pirelli tires are crap, and he wants people to stop talking about the fact that they're crap. Daily Mail has another story. Michael Schumacher's ex-Ferrari boss says the beauty of what we have experienced is part of us. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Um, whatever. Let's see here. McLaren F1 team boss Zach Brown to race a GT4 car for United Autosports. The funny thing about that is he actually owns United Autosports. And the French Grand Prix will be a new start for Alonso, which is great because he's had a crap start to the year, and Ocon's better than him at the moment. Uh, well, I figured it out. It turns out he did move to Switzerland. Okay, he did? For F3. 
Okay, but they're moving him back to Italy now. That's crazy. Uh, Against his will. They're literally just picking him up and moving him. Yeah, well, I mean, he kind of, well, gets paid to move around. I mean, it really doesn't matter where he lives. Yeah. Because, well, he doesn't really live there for most of the year. That's a good point, yeah. And apparently Daniel Kvyat's expecting to get a call from Helmut Marker to replace Tsunoda. Why would they replace Tsunoda? That's a very good question. I don't know. But, uh, well, actually, I do know because he hasn't done well at Monaco. Mm. But he's just young. They can't pull the trigger too early on something like this. Yeah, well, he's one of the better drivers to start out. I know. I mean, we've all waxed lyrical about how great he is. Yeah. Wait, have you seen the Colombo V12? No, what is that? It's a Ferrari V12. Uh, I think there was one... I can't even figure this out. There's some of these things that say it's 1.5 liter. Some say it's 3.3 liter. Some say it's a 3 liter. It's so annoying. Whoa. That does look very small. Don't clip that out of context. Um, That does look very small, though. Very small engine. 1.5 liter. That's just that's so small. Like, I guess it's to keep weight down, isn't it? Yeah, probably. So if they can make a 1.5 liter V12 in the 50s, then why can't we make a 1.5 liter V12 now? I think it would be a very relevant engine to supercars. Alright. What do they mean by, like... Oh, ah, never mind. Why does this car look like this, though? Which one? The Ferrari 125S. I think it's just an old car. It's just so ugly. Yeah, it's not pretty. But okay. a 1.5 liter. Alright, now have you seen the Pagani Huayra R? Not the Zonda R, the Huayra R. This is... Alright, the Zonda R was one of my favorite cars ever, but the Huayra R is probably going to be my favorite car ever. Because it's going to have a naturally aspirated V12 with 900 horsepower. More than the Zonda R. And it's going to have actual better aero than the Zonda R. That car, it's just going to be the best car ever. Well, will aren't never... those like Mercedes engines? Uh, no, no, no. This is going to be an in-house built one because Mercedes does not build a 900 horsepower uh, V12. Doesn't in fact, Brabus I think that... like have like a modified Mercedes that does that? Yeah, but they're taking like the early 2000s V12s. Why are, or the Pagani's were taking the um. The final AMG V12s, but I think now they're building them in-house. Because I don't think... Maybe they're AMG V12s, I just don't know. Although, again, AMG isn't Mercedes anymore. It's now just a subdivision that's sort of... Not a part of Mercedes, but like a um a partner of Mercedes. Actually? Yeah, yeah, it's not even really part of it. Why? I don't know, I feel like that was a missed opportunity for them. They probably should have just bought it. They didn't? I don't think so. I think it's just a partner. Okay, wait a minute. The Bravis 900 has 900 horsepower. Yeah, yeah. And it has a V12. But it has a turbo. Oh. That's what's impressive, in my opinion, about the wire R. Oh, it's twin turbo. Oh, okay. Because the wire's going to be NA. That's what Uh, I'm excited for. Not applicable. No, 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 naturally aspirated. <laughs> well, the NA, naturally, or not applicable. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, turbo NA. <laughs> turbo not. You no. can't apply a turbo. No turbo. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the less turbo cars there are, the better, in my opinion. Turbos are cool, but they're not that cool. That's a kind of a whole European thing, turbos. I know, but... I think their turbo hot hatchbacks are a lot more cool than our turbo American cars, which are just sort of, like, made for efficiency, not anything special. Oh, the A45 AMG, isn't that, like, uh, what should we call it? Uh, the A45 AMG, that's a hatchback, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 that is a hatchback, that is a hatchback. And it has, like, 500 horsepower now? It's crazy. It's not sold in the U.S., is it? No, no, not the AMG trim, which is a shame. 
because I really like that one. It looks like an AMG GT, and then you see yeah. it back, and you're really disappointed. Yeah, you're like, oh my god, whoa, what is this thing? And then you're like, oh. It's just sort of a hatchback. But from the front, it's amazing. Mm. Okay, let's look at the um, Ferrari Puro Assange or whatever. Puro signage. That's what I like to call it. Because I'm funny. Anyways. Um... <laughs> Oh, it's so horrible, though. It's just such a terrible-looking car. It's been leaked so many times, right? And It just looks like a Levant. Yeah. Every single time it gets leaked, it just looks worse than the first time. It I mean, they're like actually... Levante mixed with a Model 3. They're literally negatively progressing with it. I don't, I don't think that's possible. It's crazy. I think it's based off of the Levante. I wouldn't be surprised, because I'm pretty sure Ferrari does own Maserati, right? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Because, I mean, it does kind of have that kind of look to it. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, and then... What do they think that camouflage is gonna, like, protect the car from or whatever? Like, do they think that cameras can't take pictures of it if it looks like that? Well, no, no, no. The idea with the camo is that um, uh, you can't make out the features of the car. Although I, I still think that's out. lost. It is I think really it's actually, lost. Because I saw driving by and I was like, oh, that's a concept car. Instantly I knew that. Yeah, it's right. Like, you just notice it because it's weirdly looking kind of. You see this camouflage car and you're like, why the heck is it camouflage? You put two and two together and you see, or you think to yourself, oh, that's a, that's a concept car. Oh, wait, maybe if. Uh... Uh, if if only you'd seen you seen like a which one call it a coupe yep. or something because that could have been the which one call it the tortilla chip. Oh yeah, the SSC tortilla chip. Didn't they break it though? Yeah, I think they not the record, but the car itself. Yeah, it fell off the truck, didn't it? Yeah, the wind it, or something. It did break. It did break. It's a shame. Well. Yes and no. I mean, obviously, it's a shame that a very expensive car broke. But um, I, I'm actually not a fan of it. I don't know about you. But, um, yeah, but it's like from Washington as well. So That's a good point. I guess we should be proud that we have a car that we made, even though if it did have a fraudulent record. Yeah. I mean, it was just so painfully obvious within hours that they had fudged it. Right? They put like 340 miles per hour. I mean, that's not physically possible with anything other than... I mean, an F1 car without the wings. What is the what is your problem with the wings? With wings in general? What do you mean? You, you just you said you wanted to take the wings off of a um, GT3 RS or something. Oh, in general, I like rear wings on cars, but the GT3 RS, in my opinion, is more suited to a wingless or rear wingless. Um, just get a GT3 Touring. Yeah, yeah, but that's five hundred grand. That's actually more than the GT3 RS. It's that's... less. Because it looks really cool. It does look really cool. But Jerry Seinfeld was able to dodge the bullet by just removing it. Although, actually, that was a custom option by Porsche. But the thing is, the GT3 RS has different body work. Like, there's just different holes in it. I know. And I know it looks different. Like, you know. It looks very different. Yeah. It's obviously, it's not a GT3 Touring, but it's not trying to be a GT3 Touring. The GT3 Touring just looks so cool by itself. Yeah. Like uh, the rear taillight things, especially. Yeah, absolutely. And it just says GT3 Touring. Uh, I saw one of these one uh, like a couple months ago. Yeah, it's one of my favorite Porsches. I mean, I, I like the Porsches with the rear wings on them, but it's just it's so classic to see something without one that it's it it's a special car. Especially in blue, it's beautiful. Absolutely, completely agree there. Okay, all right. Um. Anything else, or are we good? I think we're good. All right. Thank you for listening. We talked about F1 for actual time this week. Um, that's exciting. That's better than last week. Yeah. And after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, or will we? I mean, if it's a bad race, we're not going to talk about it. But if it's a good race, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Anyways, I think it's time to say thank you for listening. Goodbye. Thank you, guys. Bye.
this is an O for heaven's sake studio recording, production copyright, I'm not quite sure of the day. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.